0: Hey, what's going on guys? Welcome back to the Cap Fitness Podcast Radio Show. Coming to you on this Friday, July the 23rd, 2021. Hopefully this finds you staying safe and staying sweaty all at the same time. Today's episode, we are just going to chat and have an open and honest conversation about being healthy, doing the bare minimum, and the little things you can do along the way to make massive changes in your life in terms of the way you look, you move, and how you feel. And a lot of you listening are already, in my opinion, health and fitness people, because otherwise, why the hell would you even listen to me? Uh, probably for the people in your circle of life who you really give a shit about, your friends, your family, co-workers, those who might not take their health and fitness as serious as all of you do. So, that's what i are going to dig into. I have a handful of things to run through. Uh, before I jump into that, real quick, just a couple of things to knock off. One, our 47 Day Transformation is going to kick off here August the 9th. That is our flagship transformation program. The website is 47daytransformation.com. Matt is working on the updates now, so if you go to it, it's just going to give you the pre-registration page, which I think will grab you guys a spot, and then it'll give you a kickoff email when we do open the page up. Uh, In the program, for you guys who have never done it before, this is, I think, the sixth year we have done it. It is the most work by far in terms of our online coaching that we do. It is exhausting. We've run it three times a year before. Right now we're doing it twice just because it's a lot uh, to chew on. But other than the community of people here that we've built and the friends and the relationships, this is the thing I'm the most proud of in terms of overall content, because we tackle all the pillars of fitness, the physical, mental, spiritual, and the emotional side of fitness. You work out five days a week uh, minimum. Three of the days are more metabolic-based. Two of the days are loading. That's kind of the newer version of the program. But every day you're gonna get a personal development piece inside the video. So we dig a lot into nutrition. Uh, But not just macros and and calories in calories out. I'm talking habits, rituals, routines, the things that really drill down. You do a lot of self questioning, a lot of auditing. It's a game changer. uh, And it can change your life if you really let it. So again, the website 47daytransformation.com. I'll throw it all over my Instagram, it'll be all over our email newsletter as well and uh, we can do a little podcast discount code for you guys if that's something you're interested in here as we kick off so again the website 47daytransformation.com august 9th will kick off i think we're going to close the registration on the 7th to get everybody kind of set up and rocking and if you got any questions obviously hit me up also the podcast brought to you by my homies at athletic greens you already know it's the one thing i take every single day i never miss taking a day the travel packs come with me everywhere i go Next week, we're heading to the Oregon coast, I believe, for a couple of days, and so my bag will be packed full of Athletic Greens just because when I'm not in my own house and ecosystem, it's really hard to do all the things I really want to do. I do the best I can like anybody else, but it's tough. So if you're a person who struggles with eating enough fruits and vegetables and you want to try Athletic Greens, the website is athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott. You can get a year supply of free vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first order. Or... If you've heard me talk about it 50 times, or maybe this is new for you on the podcast, you can message us when Monica is back from her vacation in new Mexico. She will send you a pack of greens to your house to try. You can check it out, see if you like It, it is the best tasting greens on the planet by far. I actually did uh, handwrite some envelopes this week and send it out to people. So if you get an envelope and you requested one a week ago, and the handwriting looks like a six-year-old did it, that is from me, not Monica. So I can do all the jobs here. I just do them all poorly. But I digress. It is the best tasting greens out there. Uh, You guys have all drinking way worse things. Some of you, I don't even want to mention the stuff you put in your mouth. Athletic Greens is way better than that, and it's way better for you. It has all the micronutrients, probiotics, digestive enzymes. If you're taking 14 different pills, you can probably throw most of them away and just take the greens, and you're good to go. So, again, hit us up if you want a sample. Otherwise, the site, athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott, And you can get all the free stuff there. Now, admittedly, I am not super motivated today. And I was not super motivated to do this podcast when I was driving here. I was motivated yesterday. I'm not today. But for me, you guys, it's very similar to you. Motivation is, it's like a shower. You got to do it every day in order for it to be effective. If you're just motivated one day per week, Uh, it's not going to do a whole hell of a lot of good. And I think there's a Jerry West quote, if you guys remember the the great Jerry West. He's actually the uh, NBA logo, played for the Lakers forever, one of the greatest to ever do it. And I think his quote is, you know, if I only did things on the days I felt good, I wouldn't do much at all. And that's literally been my entire life. Uh, I'm not going to go into great detail here. There's a lot of days where, maybe I don't feel great, uh, you know, physically, whether it be externally, uh, internally, I might have 14 things going on outside of that, you know, personal friends, family, you name it. And then obviously, if you have physical ailments, it does, you know, fuck with you mentally, and that plays a role. And it can be very unmotivating, it can really put you uh, in, a, in a shitty mental space. And when your mental isn't right, it's really hard to connect to the physical. And the the reason for me sharing that is just because that's where I'm at today, and I really didn't want to do this for a handful of reasons. One of them, uh, you know, life is funny where you have a plan and it it never really works out, or at least for my life, it's, it's never worked out. Now, sometimes, way better than I ever thought, you know, my current, you know, situation, uh, this business, uh, a lot of the friends I've met, my wife, all these things, I never envisioned a lot of that for myself. And then there's other little things I envisioned that never worked out and went completely the opposite way. A real small example is this. Yesterday, I get home uh, from work. I worked uh, super late Thursday night here, which is very rare for me. Uh, Usually Monica or Alec or someone from our team has done it historically. It's been a real long time since I was, you know, working the, you know, 6am, to 6 p.m. groups all the way through with all the stuff I have to do. And it's a grind. And I'm not, uh, I'm not 25 anymore. So it does start to tack on. But I'm like, we'll work these groups. I'll go home, cook dinner. I can relax. You know, maybe I'll watch a movie. I can stay up a little bit later, you know, just kind of unwind and have some mental escapism. Well, as fate would have it, that is not how my evening went. It, uh, it rarely rains here. Obviously, we're in Scottsdale, Arizona. We're in the desert. But when it does in the summertime, <sighs> monsoon season, my friends. I'm sure Heather will come on Sunday and talk about this a little bit. But long story short, she's out last night watching the uh, the lightning show from our backyard. She's got our pool light on. We have this, you know, fancy outdoor uh, patio furniture that she, uh, you know, wanted us to have, which is nice. Uh, I'm not complaining. It's not cheap. But, you know, you pick your battles when you're married. And we're out there, you know, she, she dragged me out there to watch this lightning show, and all of a sudden it starts to rain a little bit, and then the rain starts to really kick up uh, to the point of where it feels like it's almost hailing, and then where it's windy, like I feel like my house is going to, you know, blow away. Although it's, you know, my house has been there for since 1959, so the odds of that happening uh, aren't great. But you know when it's like real monsoon, like the winds are just kicking up like crazy. And around 9 o'clock, all the power goes completely out in our house. Now, it's still like a trillion degrees here. So it starts to get real hot real quick. And uh, the electricity company sends us a you know text message, email. Hey, we'll have the power back on by, I think, like 2 in the morning. And I'm like, well, shit, it's a long time. We just bought a bunch of food. It's in the fridge, freezer, hopefully it lasts. But, you know, there's greater tragedies in the world. And then my house, we have these two huge trees, like enormous, probably four times, you know, the size of my house in terms of vertical, like going up into, you know, space, if you will. And one of them like split right down the middle and misses my house by a handful of inches, but the tree is just completely a mess. And our neighbors are are texting Heather because she's met all of them because she walks her dog and they become friends. They uh, are like, hey, is your house okay? It looks like that tree completely fell in your house. And from what I can tell now, I was out this morning uh, sawing some of the branches off so I could pull the cars out of the driveway. I mean, that's how much this thing uh, completely just toppled over. Uh, I'm out there like hacksaw Jim Duggan at 7 a.m. getting rained on, just chopping branches, you know, doing my, uh, my best Paul Bunyan impersonation for all my Minnesota people. But I'm out there just hacking away. And from what I can tell, it didn't. Uh, Crush the house, which is awesome. So I always, you know, feel I'm lucky with that. Although, like you know, you like you like your house, like you love your trees, you love the setup. But my dog didn't sleep. Uh, The power didn't actually come back on until 4:30 in the morning, and we had this little portable fan I have plugged into one of those little car battery chargers. If you guys don't have one of those, they're great for your car, where you don't even have to have another car to jumpstart your car. It's just like this little. Power box, I'm a moron so I don't know what it's called Even though I've had it for like 5 years We have a lot of these things Is when we go hiking And uh, when we're away from uh, Technology and electricity It does come in handy if something goes wrong So I'm, I'm in my house with my mag light With candles and I have this little fan uh, That's barely hanging on To any power, blowing Like what little air it can come out uh, On my wife and I As my dog is freaking out, can't sleep I didn't sleep worth a shit So needless to say Scottsdale looks like uh, a train wreck right now with trees everywhere, a lot of flash flooding, people's cars get caught in it here, which is really crazy, uh, like literally picks up cars and kind of takes them away if you're on the the 17 or I believe the I-10, and the point of me sharing that story is I am tired, uh, didn't get my, my normal beauty rest, didn't have my relaxing evening, it is still raining here and gray and muggy and shitty, and I am unmotivated to do anything, but here I am for you after my... Bitch session right there. Now, again, all those things are luxury problems. And uh, I'm lucky to have a house that keeps me safe from the elements and animals and all these amazing things. And then we do have technology to be able to have some, you know, semblance of, you know, Netflix and and batteries on computers and phones and iPads. And I just, I think how shitty it would have been to live like in 1906 or 1855. Uh, Those guys really did it. We are, just, we are just super soft, and I am not excluding myself from that. It, uh, when we have all these little luxuries taken away from us, we really understand how awesome and how amazing we have it, that we have air conditioning, that we have heat, that we have a freezer and a refrigerator and an oven and a microwave and Netflix and iPhones and all these awesome things. And when you don't have them, you realize, wow, I'm really soft and I am not prepared to live in a world without all these amazing luxuries. So there's that for you. And that is why I'm dragging ass today. But this podcast is not about that. We are talking about just an open and honest conversation about being healthy and conversations you have to have with yourself, with your loved ones, with your friends and all the people in your circle if you really care about them. And we've gotten away from that. For some weird, strange social reason, we're okay with calling people out for certain behaviors, but not for others. And I don't understand what that is. Maybe it's a cultural thing. Kind of like how, as, uh, and I think females do this too, but dudes are the worst, how we goad people into like drinking alcohol. And people become drink pushers at a bar, especially dudes. You know, you're all out drinking, and and one guy doesn't want to drink as much, or he's just going to drink water or have diet soda. And you kind of talk shit to him, and you make him feel like he's, you know, you make him feel like he's not a a man, right? Like he's less than for some reason. Like he's a little kid. And like, hey, come on, man. Like we're all doing it. I'm not going to use the terms that us guys use, uh, but it's not polite. And we do that, and it's somehow this macho, immature bullshit where we push drinks on people, and some reason it's okay to do that in that arena, but not force people to eat healthy when you're out at lunch with someone who's 300 pounds overweight, and they're ordering cheeseburger and fries, and you're telling them, hey man, maybe get the salmon and asparagus. But that's not okay, but it's okay to do it the other way. And I I give that real quick blanket example, because Mike Samuel, who is a copywriter, He wrote this amazing piece a couple weeks back. I actually shared it on our newsletter today, and I got a ton of replies from people because it it hits hard, and it, it hits truthful, and some of the messages I got back were from parents who set a great example for their kids, and their kids are not following in their footsteps, and I always say more is caught than taught at home. Your parents can say all the right things, but it's your actions and the things you show That's what's going to have the biggest impact, and I'm not a parent, and I'm not telling people how to raise their kids or how to parent, because I have no place and I have no fucking idea what I'm talking about in terms of that. But I was once a kid, and I had parents, and they said certain things, and it it, it carries only so much weight. But I would watch what they did, whether that be consciously or subconsciously. You see what they do, and I think I'm a a product of that, uh, a mix of what my mom and obviously my dad did, and. I've shared this before. My old man uh, didn't didn't talk a lot. Still, he still doesn't. But it was the things he did that I would notice and see. You you know, when you're a kid, like if your parents are there or they're not there, and if they're not at home, what are they doing? You know, are they out drinking booze? Are they out partying? Are they out traveling? Are they out working? And when they're at home, what are they doing? Are they just being a lazy ass, you know, overeating? Or are they exercising? Are they eating right? Are they working around the house, fixing things, being productive? Those are the things that matter the most. And that's why I would say more is caught than taught. But at the end of the day, people are going to be how they're going to be. And you still have to have the conversations. Even if you lead from the front, it's still okay to verbalize these things. And so to the Mike Samuel post, he was comparing it to smoking cigarettes in the 50s to basically the the state of of what we are in today in terms of health and fitness in America, but really all over the world. And what he wrote was, and I quote, in 1953, 58% of American men smoked cigarettes, 36% of women smoked, and 50% of doctors. Think about that for a second. In 1953, which is not that long ago, 58% of men smoked, 36% of women and half the doctors smoked cigarettes. Up until this point, rates had been on the rise due to people's lack of knowledge on negative health implications, coupled with advertisements and even promoting the benefits of smoking. If some of you guys are old enough to remember how smoking was said to be okay in actually movies, TVs, commercials, and actually had ads that said smoking was okay. And then when I'm a kid, it's the Marlboro Man. Obviously, it's in movies and films, but even in the magazines, uh, Sports Illustrated, Playboy, I only looked at it for the articles, Um, but uh, they would do Joe Camel. And it was very colorful. I remember like even in art class, like when I'm like young, Like just going over and like drawing my own Joe Camel because I always thought that the cartoons were cool. I had no interest in smoking. Smoking wasn't my thing. I was addicted to chewing tobacco for a ridiculous amount of time. And it was so, so fucking hard to quit, which I've talked about, you know, way back on other podcasts. But the point was, people were smoking more and more and more because we weren't talking about how bad it was. We weren't talking about the negative impact it can have on your life and how it can basically fucking kill you. We were advertising it, and we were talking about the benefits, and we were saying it was okay to smoke, essentially. And the rates only really started to drop in the mid-1960s when, like, the hard-hitting campaigns were published warning people of the dangers. Once that happened, by the 1980s, the rate was down to around 33% of people smoking. It was about 25% in the early 90s, and currently it sits at about 13% of people smoke in the U.S., which is a pretty big drop. It still amazes me that 13 out of 100 people would smoke cigarettes because it just seems so disgusting uh, and gross and inconvenient, but I do understand addiction. Uh, I have an addictive personality. I get it. I personally tried to stop quitting chewing, I don't know, probably for at least three years, uh, unsuccessfully until one day I just said, fuck it. Um, And even then, you know, you have multiple kind of little relapses. So it does get a hold of you. And I do understand that even when you do know the dangers, but if it's drilled into your head enough, and and someone, you know, consistently feeds you that programming of, hey, this is stupid, this is dumb, and it's going to kill you, it does tend to kick in. So right now in the US, about 13% of people smoke. And it's clear, two things have a huge impact on people quitting smoking. One, an open, excuse me, open and honest conversation about the dangers, and two, the social stigma. Because there is, you know, a social peer pressure that I do think can work in a positive way for a lot of people to not do certain things or to do certain things. And I'm a fan of that. Uh, I don't want to ever tell people what to do. I don't want to ever criticize people. But if you can socially pressure people into doing awesome things that are going to help their life, I'm a fan of that. And I remember when I was in my teens, it was still considered like a cool thing to do was to smoke. I remember probably, and again, I, I'm i a knucklehead. So my life cycle hopefully is not as, as bad as the kids who are growing up nowadays. Although I feel like it's even worse because of the internet and technology. But I remember even being like in middle school... Uh, you know, you'd make out with a girl, you know, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, and she had just like smoked cigarettes. And like, you're obviously like a seventh grader. And so your horniness is like a level a 1000. And you basically would have sex with, you know, the ground at that point, you wouldn't even give a shit. But you would make out with these girls. And you, you almost would like give it a pass. But in the back of your mind, like, this is disgusting. Like, it's like you're making out with an ashtray. And I remember that being like, God, I, I can't believe people are doing this. But it kind of was a the thing to do. Like the, I don't want to say the cool kids, but the kids who were kind of, you know, had a little edge to them, like they would smoke cigarettes. And that's when I was, you know, a, a young, a young man. And obviously you can see how old I'm getting. I think now it's more like the vaping type shit. I see some of these kids drive by me in cars and I've never seen so much smoke, you know, blow out of their mouths. And it's almost unbelievable to watch. But in the, in the past, you know, probably 10 to 15 years, I do think it's completely changed in terms of smoking cigarettes and having it be cool. It is no longer a cool thing to do. I think it's almost like a you're looked at as like irresponsible. And people probably do it more, you know, in the closet type stuff than they did back in the day. And obviously, there's an air of being a social outcast if you have to get up and leave a meal, or you're out having drinks, and you go outside and you smoke cigarettes. Uh, just to get away from people, especially if you're in the Midwest. Like I remember even when I'm in college uh, early on when people are still smoking uh, at a higher clip, to to go outside uh, in Minneapolis in February to smoke cigarettes, that's a certain level of addiction. You know, you really got to want it. Like at, you're working for that at that point because uh, it's negative I 10. And With the wind chill, it's probably even worse and you're freezing your balls off. Just a puff of heater I, I just don't I just don't see that and I do think the the social stigma of of making that not sexy, not attractive has played a huge part and I think most people would argue that that's a good thing and my two cents everyone should have the right to smoke. No one should be banned from doing so uh, by any you know, arbitrary governmental regulations. But at the same time, I think it's perfectly okay to speak objectively about smoking, and to cast a slight air of shame over it. And again, my, my old man smoked for 33 years. Uh, cool cigarettes, that's with the K, two O's and the L. I don't even know if they make them anymore. I don't even know what cigarettes cost. I have no clue. But my dad smoked for 33 years, uh, and then just quit one day cold turkey. One of the most impressive things I've ever seen. You know, super thankful that he did. Um, Probably one of the reasons he's still around. You know, breathing, uh, kicking, and living life. But and I do think people should have the right to smoke and drink and eat and do whatever the fuck they want. I'm a huge fan of America. Um, I'm a huge fan of freedoms. Uh, Some of you guys might disagree with me. I think you should be able to own firearms. I think you should be able to drink and smoke and eat until you're you know sick and puke. And if it kills you, then that's your fucking right. It's your body. But I do think it's okay to call people out when they do stupid shit. And I do think it's okay to have those conversations with people that are close to you in your life if you care about them. And if you come at them from a place of caring and you give a shit, I think that's okay. And I say all of that to say this, so why then, if it's okay to do it with alcohol and cigarettes and drugs, why don't we do it with something like obesity? We're conditioning a culture of people where they're basically vilified for even mentioning the food portion of it or the calories or overeating and people are triggered by, you know, the diet foods. Even medical professionals are told not to discuss people's weights with them, which is fucking crazy. You're a medical professional. You should be doing that. And I I bring that up, and Mike Samuel wrote that word for word. Even medical professionals are told not to discuss people's weights with them. And I read that, and I'm like, "Well, is that really true?" And we do have a ton of physicians here that I work with in hospital, sea uh, level people. So yes, that is true uh, to some extent. Depending on the physician, they can always you know do what they choose to do. Um, but that does go on. And he wrote that, and I'm reading it. And this morning, when I get a reply from the email, I have a. A mom who used to come here for a long period of time who was super fit say, this is true because I I take my kids for years to their like well care checkups, you know, kind of like their yearly physical and clearly they're overweight. Clearly they're eating shit. The mom doesn't. She eats right. She exercises, but she can't get the kids to buy in. And she's like, Jeremy, not one time did any of the physicians say a fucking word to my kids about what they eat and how, how overweight they are. And now it's the point where my kids are not wanting to be social and go do things with their friends in certain settings because they're almost embarrassed or ashamed about how big they are and they're not happy and they even cry about it yet, they continue to eat and drink the same things even though they're having the conversations with them. And so what are we supposed to pretend like it's perfectly healthy to be 100 pounds overweight or that people are just living their best life even if they can't climb a flight of stairs? without damn near having a heart attack and they're huffing and puffing like crazy. And now look, I'm all for freedoms, through and through. If someone wants to be 400 pounds, more power to you. I am nobody to judge you and your body and, and how you want it to look and move and feel. But I'd rather my taxes, you know, pay for real things, as opposed to health care of people making shitty life choices and being part of this kind of system. Now, if you say, Hey, Jeremy, I'm 300 pounds, I feel sexy as hell. I like the way I look and move and feel and I'm five foot four respect. I appreciate you. I love the self confidence, own that shit and be the who the fuck you are. On the same sentence, that isn't healthy, though we're having two different conversations. And so nobody message me and share this with people and say, well, Jeremy's body shaming people. No, do you got to look like me? Hell no. It's ridiculous. It's not sustainable for most of you. You would never want to live my life and eat the way I eat it. it is not for you. This is what I do for a living. I'm happy with the mold that I'm sitting in. If you want to be 150 pounds overweight, and you're happy with that, and you like the way it feels and looks on you, that's okay. But it isn't healthy that's the conversation I'm having. I could give a fuck what you look like. If you like that, then that's cool. But if we're not healthy, that's the conversation we need to be having with people. But it does really worry me that we're breeding a culture that is so worried about offending people by just speaking the truth. Not to mention that we have celebrities that are basically champing this illness, where they're saying like, it's okay. And it it just isn't. Uh, If you look at statistically, especially after we live through the last, you know, year and a half of our life, that's still the shit's still dragging on if you're talking the pandemic and COVID and that we know the people that are obese, and that are overweight. And most of those comorbidities that are tied to people, diabetes, hypertension, those are what fuck you up more than anything else. I'm not saying that it, it can not help them to have healthy people that for surely happens. But you're putting yourself in a position to be unsuccessful and healthy through life. And if we look at the number one killer of people on the planet, it is heart disease. In America, you're talking to kill somebody what every 36 seconds, I believe is this stat I pulled up from a while back. That's crazy to me. And yeah, you can feel sexy and be confident, but it isn't healthy. So again, we shouldn't be mean to people. I'm not talking about fat shaming. That stuff's counterproductive. There's no space for judgment and hate. But we also shouldn't pussyfoot around health issues or let people eat themselves into an early grave just for the fear of offending them. Again, the post that he made isn't just about obesity anyway. It's about society as a whole. We need to not be afraid to tell people the truth, even if it's hard for them to hear and even if it hurts, especially the ones you love the most, especially your friends, especially your family. If it could save their life and make their life better, I think that's a conversation that's worth having, even if it's uncomfortable as hell. I've had it with my own family. It's not fun. It sucks. And sometimes they're going to listen to you and sometimes they don't. You know, I, I told the mom today via email, when I wrote her back a response, I'm like, you know... You can only do so much, you know. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. Is the saying? And you can model all the right behavior, but at the end of the day, people are going to be who they're going to be. You know, there's there's people in my family who we've had very similar upbringings, uh, and they don't have the same work ethic as me. They don't value health the same as I do. They don't do the same things that I'm doing. And so, at the end of the day, the ownership has to come on the individual. But I think it's okay for you to go out there and have the conversation with them, even if it is uncomfortable and painful. I think it has to be done. And if nothing else, you can lay your head at night knowing that you're not going to regret saying, hey, I never I never told them to go to the doctor and get checked up. I never told them, you know, they should stop eating shit. I never told them they shouldn't be having all that stuff in their life. That's okay. But again, I'm not talking about shaming. I'm just talking about... Stating facts to people. Facts that could help their life and and make their life be so much better. And we absolutely should not tell someone everything is amazing if they could be living a much richer, healthier, happier lifestyle. I honestly believe in the 1960s that the anti-cigarette smoking campaigns were brought out now. They'd probably be banned for smoker shaming which is fucking crazy. I'm going to read that sentence again because he wrote that and he wrote, and I quote, I honestly believe if those 1960 anti-cigarette smoking campaigns were brought out now, they'd be banned for smoker shaming. And what would be told (laughs) we'd have to refer to people as oxygen, oxygen challenged or made to pretend lung cancer was some random thing that happened to anybody regardless of smoking history. So yeah, I don't think we should just be dicks to people and give our unsolicited opinions because nobody wants them. But I also think we need to empower people to do better and to be truthful with them rather than always trying to protect someone's short-term feelings. I'm going to repeat that one time so it hits home for everybody listening. And if you want the transcript of this, you can hit me up. It went on a newsletter today. I'm happy to reshare it. Mike Samuel put out the original post and it is fucking genius. The sentence is, I don't think we should be dicks to people and give our unsolicited opinions, but I also think we need to empower people to do better and be truthful with them rather than always trying to protect someone's short-term feelings. I mean, that's a mic drop right there. If you want to breed a generation of weak-willed, unhappy people who blame everyone else for their circumstances, society is doing a pretty good job of that right about now. And that's the end of it. Now, obviously... I ad-libbed a ton of stuff in there with my own personal stories, but he put together the bulk of that and it truly is genius. And again, I want to make this crystal clear. I'm not talking about vanity metrics. I do not care if you look good in a swimsuit. I do not care if you have abs or great glutes or whatever the fuck the metric is that we measure people being, you know, visually fit by. I'm talking about health here, internal health increasing not only the likelihood of the longevity of your life, but the quality of your life while you're here. And I want to just touch on some average stats, because it got me to thinking, you know, like the average American dude, right? And again, if you're happy in your mold, respect. But pulling this up, I think this was Healthline and Medical News Today, both. The average American height and weight for a dude, the average American man Uh, 20 years old and up weighs an average of 197.9 pounds, so 198 pounds at 5 foot 9. So the average dude in America is 5'9, 198. Uh, I weigh a little bit more than that, and I'm 6'2, and I like to think I'm like a pretty solid dude. You know, obviously, like if you look at me on Instagram and YouTube, I'm obviously lean as fuck all the time. That's just how I live. I feel good that way. I'm an ectomorph by nature. But I'm way taller than 5'9". And the average waist circumference is 40.2 inches. So the average guy who's over 20 years old is 198, 5'9", with a 40-inch waist. I mean, unless you are like a Barry Sanders type, Marshawn Lynch, just freight train, that's probably not a good height to waist to weight ratio. Um, overall to be healthy. That just seems pretty substantial, considering the average person does not exercise and does not have a gym membership and does not really work out, which got me to thinking the other day when we were having a conversation about pull-ups. And I shared the story like a week ago about how fit the people who come here are. And uh, I think sometimes you get confused when you hang around with a bunch of savages, when you hang around with a bunch of killers, especially in our Sunday Metcon group. The dudes here and what they can do, it's impressive as hell. So there's guys here that are 46, 47. So my boy D-Lo, who came in the other day, looks like Rick Rude, he's doing pull-ups the other day. And we're doing sets of 10. And he's getting through them, getting through them. And as the workout goes on, he starts to have to break them up. And he's like, man, I just feel, you know, kind of weak on these pull-ups. And after he's done multiple sets of 10, mixed in with deadlifts and all this other crazy shit, right? And I'm like, dude, I go, the average man can barely do up pull-up. I think men's health used to share the statistic uh, that the average dude could do one pull up. And I pulled up this uh, kind of chat that was going on. Now, some of these are from like the Bible.com forums and men's health and a couple of the resources. And it's hard to, to gauge this because there's really no study. But the average stat, if let's say the average guy can do one pull up and how do we come up with that, right? If you made every person in the US, all 300 and let's say 25 million people or so do their max number of consecutive pull ups without letting go of the bar, and you wrote down a list, I think the total number of pull ups done would be around 100 million, give or take. That's an average about 0.3 pull ups per person in terms of distribution. I would guess more than half of Americans could not do a strict pull up. I bet my house on that to this day. I don't think more than half of the Americans could do a single strict pull-up. And I'm not talking about, you know, that kipping uh, crappie flop shit that people do. And that's not a knock against Crawford; Those just aren't pull-ups, dude. They're, they're. You can call them kipping something, but they're not pull-ups. If I quote the great Dan John, who is a legend, you know what a pull-up is? When someone grabs the bar from a dead hang and they slowly pull their body up and slowly let it down. That, my friends, is a pull-up. I don't want to get off track. And the the number how you come up with the 0.3 pull ups. If you take the population, which would include infants, children, as well as elderly folks who are who you can't really throw in those populations, obviously, are going to average zero. So if you threw in kids, if you threw in infants, and if you did throw in, you know, super old people, but respect, I just watched a video the other day, of some 63 year old guy do like on bar stars doing muscle ups like a So just a a complete savage, like it was amazing to watch. But for them, on average, you know, that population is going to do zero. And in male teenagers and adults, I assume that they would average about, you know, maybe about one pull up. And so for example, if you picked 400 random males off the street, like you're walking around the streets in New York, uh, Times Square when it's busy, and you get 400 dudes, you'd probably get about 400 total pull ups from them. Meaning that there's males in the age range, you know, that are not going to do a single pull-up. And for females, I think the number would probably be about the same. Where if you took the average of 9 out of 10 women, I think 9 out of 10 probably can't do a single dead hang pull-up. And again, I'm generalizing here. If you talk about Colleen Fosh, who comes in here, Colleen's going to do like fucking 30 pull-ups. But she's a freak of the freaks. You know, She's uncommon amongst uncommon people, like the the, the, the top zero 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 point one percent. But if you're talking about the average medium person, I think the answer is probably one uh, to zero is the number that they could do, which is kind of crazy. And, you know, if you want to be average, respect, there's nothing wrong um, with that. But I don't think most of you listening to this want to be average, you know, so if you look at The average statistics across the board in terms of how we're doing uh, as a society, globally, uh, and obviously as Americans. And I love America. I think it's great. But we do a real shit job of obviously being healthy. And you look at some of the other places, like the average body mass in Asia, you know, if we're talking females, I believe. uh, It's about 127 pounds and percentage of people who are overweight, about 24%. If you look at Europe, it's about 156 pounds and about 55% are overweight. Now, this is all from medical news, um, and they have a bunch of other stats published. uh, BMC Public Health, these are from 2012, I believe. And if you look at, let's say, Latin America, like Caribbean, uh, about 150 pounds for females and about 58% overweight. Now, North America, America, love it here. About 177 pounds is the average females, what they have listed, and about 73.9%. That's crazy. North America has the highest percentage of people who are overweight at 73.9%. It's kind of crazy. Now, obviously, like, I'm not a fan of, uh, you know, BMI for a lot of reasons. It's just, but I do think if you looked at, like, the, uh, Waist circumference ratios, um, like hip to waist, there's some things to be said about that. Again, body fat percentage, you know, probably one of the the bigger ones because, you know, some people are are better at heavier weights and some people aren't. Again, I'm not making this about, again, aesthetics. It's just about how poorly we've done and how the average person just isn't super healthy. They just aren't. The, The average person doesn't do anything. The average person doesn't eat a ton of vegetables. The average person doesn't understand calories in calories out doesn't track macros doesn't drink enough water doesn't exercise a lot drinks a shit ton of alcohol and probably feeds their body shit. So what can we do, right? You guys already know what I'm gonna say. You can eat real food. It's as simple as that. We self regulate a lot better when we eat real foods. It's just it's the truth. When you cut out all the processed shit, you're so much better off. You know, you're not going to be eating things that are overly calorie dense, that are just completely packed with sugars and fats. Periodically, sure. But most people do it every fucking day. And you can't do that. You got to stay physically active. You got to walk. You got to burn calories. You know, staying active is going to obviously help your metabolism. You know, motion creates emotion. It really does. I think even the laziest people should do 150 minutes of exercise per week. At least, like, and if that includes walking, sure. I think 10,000 steps a day is ideal. If you're talking like high intensity interval training, three by 52, three workouts a week, 30 minutes each of just melting your face off plus walking, that'll get you to your 150 minutes easily. But again, that can be anything you guys walking, swimming, riding a bike, yoga, playing tetherball with your friend Napoleon, I don't give a shit, whatever you can do. I'm a fan of it. But obviously, reducing portion sizes, tracking macros, getting quality sleep, staying hydrated, and just not overly abusing all the shit that is bad for you. It's real simple to do. And I got a message from uh, our dude, Jason Flick, who is in Canada, which the gyms are actually open there now, which is awesome. So I know he's super jacked about that, which uh, that's been a long time, dude. I can't imagine not being in the gym for that long. But he uh, also follows my good friend, BJ Gador, the Sultan of Sweat himself. Uh, BJ puts out a lot of great shit. BJ Ghidor on Instagram. He is, uh, he is who he is. Uh, if you guys don't know BJ, he will always share the realist stuff and from his personality. And I don't want to steal his glory here because I know he's got a bunch of stuff in the works, so I'm not going to blow the, the lid on that. But Jason had asked me if I could talk about BJ's every hour on the hour format, which would go into the tips of like how to be healthy. And BJ put out a great email um, from his newsletter. It's BJKadur.com is the site. Uh, he just wrote, if you gained weight and lost motivation during the pandemic, You probably don't know where to start and how to get back into shape. And he said, you can start today doing this every hour on the hour kind of plank challenge during your weekly workday. And it's real simple. You focus on the following between doing these plank kind of intervals. Deep breathing, you know, through the nose, into the belly for five seconds, deep exhales. Again, I'm a huge fan of breathing. I think the book is called Breathe or breath. James Nestor, good stuff. Um, But he's just talking about breathing, meditating, and just like in these one-minute intervals and talking about doing just plank holds for basically one minute every hour on the hour, like while you're at your workday. And that could be front plank, side plank, back plank, the glute bridges, single-arm planks like a mountain climber, hollow holds, you name it. Hangs from the bar. Anything like that works. Don't overthink it. Don't overcomplicate it. Just stop fucking around and do it is basically what he says. And if you can't do it, like every hour on the hour, you're in the office, and maybe people look at you weird. First of all, who gives a shit what they think? Because it doesn't matter. I do mobility in the airport and people look at me like I'm a fucking alien, but I don't care because like I'm flexible and I feel good. And they're sitting there eating a pizza, drinking a beer, and they feel like a bag of shit. Not saying eating pizza and drinking beer is bad. Sounds amazing. But there's a time and place for it. And if I'm going to sit in my ass for three hours on a flight, I might as well go ahead and do some inchworms and some Spider-Man steps, right? So if you're a person, but you're at an office and you look weird because you got your fancy suit clothes on and you don't feel like you can do it, maybe start with a little bit less than that. And so BJ advises to start with maybe three to five hours of like half your workday and slowly build up to six to 10 hours of just doing, again, a plank hold one minute every hour on the hour. And if you can't do it for a minute, do it for 10 seconds and add one second every day until you get to a full minute. Or if playing from the floor is too much, elevate it from the hands, do it from your desk or do it from a chair to unload some body weight, whatever you have to do, just do something, but just get started to adopt this healthy, active lifestyle. And if you could do a plank hold every hour on the hour for five to 10 hours a day, just keep in mind, that's five to 10 total minutes of planking per day. And by the end of the week, you could end up doing an hour of planking while breaking up your boring ass workday in just these basic 60 second energy bursts, as he calls them. And so, this is the BJ Gador protocol every hour on the hour, or E H O H. In fitness, we make up all these fancy names. Uh, and so, he put that on a newsletter. Jason asked me to touch on it. I think it's great. You could do it with planks, you could do it with a minute of squats. You could do it with a minute of push-ups, a minute of jumping jacks. Doesn't matter. Just a minute of movement and conscious activity. Because there's there's huge compound effects with that, which I'll touch on in a second. But those are little things. And we oftentimes again I feel like I say the same shit all the time. But that's all there is, you guys. There's nothing else than the basics repeated over and over and over again to be successful. Find what works. If you can do better, you make it better. But if it's not broke, you don't have to fix it. You know, if it you know, if it's if it could be better, obviously it's as good as broken. I believe by that that phrasing too, but it's little stuff. Eating real food, doing consistent the little things. And I think Drew Hanlon put out a great piece where it's called the Little Things. And he goes on to say at the end of the day it comes down to who is willing to do the little things that nobody else wants to do. Everyone wants to be successful. But only those who do all the little things that they need to do will ever really find success. Life rewards workers. Life rewards workers, people who put in the work, and the people who sacrifice now are going to be rewarded later. The reason I'm talking to you today is not because I did an Instagram video yesterday. The reason I'm talking to you today is not because I just, you know, you found me through men's health. You found me through someone else's podcast. You found me through Instagram, you found me on YouTube. You found me from someone who you know shared a video or recommended something that that wasn't for some shit I did a year ago. That was from some shit I did 15 years ago. But I sacrificed then to be rewarded today, and you're the same way. It's the little things. It's the compound effect. It's like, it's how compound interest works. I don't want to go crazy here and turn this into a finance podcast, but it's the reason why when you're saving money in your 20s, it helps you in your 60s. It helps you in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s too. But when you get to close to that quote unquote retirement age for you guys, which in America, for most of you, when you can pull out of your mutual funds uh, that are in retirement stuff, your 401ks, your IRAs, those things, 59 and a half, I believe is still the age in America. It's the compound effect that you did day after day after day after day, you get rewarded for the work you did decades before. You know, when I'm saying the compound effect, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like compound interest, the simplest way to explain it to people, if you don't understand anything about money and finances, fitness, works the same way. It's not as great, because you always have to keep doing the work. But it does work similar, in my opinion. Like if you invest 1000 bucks, and it earns 5% interest, or 50 bucks for the year, in that compound interest scenario, that $50 would be reinvested to become part of your investments, right? And that initial $1,000 is called your principal, if you're following me. Now, if you have $1,050 invested at the same 5% rate, you'll get $52.50. So your total after two years would be $1,102.50. So that makes sense, everybody. So although that's a small number, and that seems boring, it becomes much more interesting when the numbers become bigger. The contrast with simple interest is not the same as compound interest. In fitness, that compound interest is the things we do consistently over and over and over again. The simple interest stuff is the stuff you do that one time, that one off shit. That is not nearly is amazing. And it brings me to the fable, right? When you talk about it, it's why I say one big workout doesn't matter nearly as 30 small workouts. Like you could work out one day for four hours and kill yourself. Or you could just work out 20 minutes a day, every other day for 30 days. I think that's a 1000 times better, or a million times better, if you will. Because the compound effect of you building on that 20 minutes on that 20 minutes on that 20 minutes on that 20 minutes is going to far outweigh you working out for even let's say, let's say something crazy, you worked out for 16 hours one day. I'd rather have you work out for 20 minutes every other day than 16 hours one day. But most people, their brains are working the opposite. They're looking for the home run. They're looking for the lottery ticket because all they see is the upfront. They don't see the big picture. And that brings me to the power of the compound interest fable, which some of you guys may be familiar with or not. Now, the fable goes like this, and the choices are pretty clear. Um, If I came to you and said, I'll give you a million dollars today, you can have it, or I'll give you a single penny every day, and I'll double it every day for 30 days, which one would you take? Now, if your brain doesn't understand the compound effect and how things build on themselves and how you create momentum, especially compound interest in this scenario, most Naive people, if I can put it that way, they would say, Well, Jeremy, I'd much rather have a million dollars on day one than a penny every day doubled for thirty days. That's fucking crazy. But if you understand the power of compound interest, if you took that single penny and you doubled it every day for thirty days, you would end up with five million three hundred and sixty-eight dollars excuse me. God, that's so much fucking money. Five million three hundred and sixty-eight thousand dollars. $709.12. 5.3 million bucks is what you'd have by the end of the month if you took a penny every day and doubled it for 30 days using compound interest. Now, it's important to note I don't want to make this seem better than it is. If you ask that same question and you only doubled the money for twenty seven days, you'd only have six hundred and seventy one thousand dollars, not the five million. It's those last four days where the compound interest really goes crazy. But the takeaway, if you're a younger person, or like a millennial, if we're talking investing here, now to get off topic, it's you should start investing early and often, because the biggest gains and returns are going to happen later life and later in your portfolio. So if you start investing today and building a portfolio that earns a modest, let's say 6% return, that might not seem like shit today. But in 30 years, earning 6% returns to your life You're going to start to see some huge fucking returns as you kind of approach the retirement age. That's why it's, it's always ideal to start early on in your life. And then you can follow the rule of 72, which I've talked about before in other finance podcasts, but it's basic shit. The point I'm driving at is it's the little things you do consistently over time that add up to make you the healthy fit person you are today. That's why I say it doesn't matter if you eat like shit one day, no big deal. Live and learn doesn't matter if you have one great workout, no big deal. It's the compound effect. And fitness obviously doesn't compound like the interest. But imagine this. Instead of working out super hard, balls to the walls for 30 days, you just took a workmanlike approach and did something that was sustainable for 12 months with a proper rest and recovery and didn't just kill yourself for one month. So you got injured or you got burnt out or it stole motivation from you for the rest of the year. If you just took that workmanlike approach of the little things, don't you think you'd be way more successful? Because again, at the end of the day, it comes down to who is willing to do the little things. Nobody else wants to do day after day after day. Everybody wants to be successful. But nobody wants to do all the little things you have to do consistently over time to get there. Which brings me to the last quote I'm going to leave you with from Darren Hardy. He actually has a book called The Compound Effect. It's pretty basic. It touches on a lot of the things I've uh, just rambled on about here. I listened to it probably, shit, five or six years ago. And he has a quote in there that uh, should stick with all of you guys. And the quote is... It's not the big things that add up in the end. It's the hundreds and thousands and millions of little things that separate the ordinary from the extraordinary. And that's it. And that comes down to us just having conversations with people about being healthier, especially the people who are close to you, the ones you care about, the ones you love, the ones you want to be around, you know, you know when they're suffering and they're not happy being stuck in their body that they feel like it's a prison. That's not fun. And you can help them by leading from the front, by showing them what to do, and by caring and having an open, honest conversation. Not criticizing, not passing judgment, but just sharing your wealth of knowledge and coming from a place of you give a shit and you care about them. If they could save their life and it could make a better relationship for you guys, I don't see why not do it. And it just, again, you can share 100 of our podcasts with them about all the little tips or the couple of things I shared here today. But it's just about having the open, honest conversation about, hey, these are little things you can do every single day, eat real food, drink water, get good sleep, be physically active, walk 10,000 steps. It's simple. You know, and Vincent Van Gogh once said, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. And it's true. It's just small daily habits. Um, and us as a society, we have to be better about just educating people and, and telling them. And it's, it, it's not about shaming. It's not about making people feel bad, but it's just about being honest that you give a shit. You know, But one thing I'll say at our house, uh, and I hope Heather does this to me. I feel like she does. I don't feel like she attacks me. Um, and hopefully she doesn't feel like I attack her, but I'm gonna call her on her shit. I'm gonna be empathetic. I'm going to listen Uh, from a place of caring but you also got to call a spade a spade man like when you're bullshitting and you're not living up to your potential and you're shortcutting things you're not doing the things that'll put you in a position to be where you want to be you got to say what you need to say and that's hard to do and it's tough for a lot of people but it has to be done and I promise you the worrying about the reaction and the blow up is more often than not far worse than the actual reaction or the blow up. And if you can do it from a place of caring and compassion, I think most people even if they're initially pissed and and flip the fuck out, they'll come back around. And you'll bring them to the other side. Because at the end of the day, being being healthy is cool. Being fit is cool. You know, living a long, happy, healthy life is the coolest fucking thing there is. Because short of that, what else is there? When you're not healthy, and when you're not happy, when things are going wrong in your body, and trust me, I fucking know this better than anybody. It's miserable it don't matter how rich you are. It don't matter how awesome stuff looks on the outside. If your physical body does not feel good, you don't give a shit about anything else. Or at least that's been my experience. And I'm, I'm sure it's, it's similar for many of you as well. So again, hopefully you guys uh, enjoyed the podcast. It's, uh, you know, something a little different. I wanted to play off a couple of things. Again, I was not motivated to do it. But obviously, I got fired up here uh, throughout it. So hopefully you got some value from it. And again, you can share it with a friend or fan member uh, who, who maybe needs to hear it. Uh, because I do give a shit about this. I, I wouldn't do this for a living if, if I didn't care about it. I could do a lot of other things for money and probably make way more of it. If I poured as much effort into it, I for surely could. I just don't care about as I just don't care about many things, honestly. Uh, but if I cared about something as much real estate, finance, insurance, I'd be way richer because it pays way better than uh, than fitness does. But I, I care about this. And if this is part of my legacy to get people to understand how important it is, I'm happy to do it and, and give it to you guys for free. So thank you for listening. As always, if you're watching on YouTube, I appreciate you guys. Monica has been loading a ton of stuff on YouTube. There's probably like 40 videos she still has to upload. She's on vacation. But it's there for you. Jeremy got Fitness on YouTube. Subscribe 100% for free. Thank you, guys. If you're on Apple Podcasts, as always, scroll your finger down, drop it a five-star, leave some comments. I truly would appreciate it. And, again, reminder, 47daytransformation.com is our next program kicking off August the 9th. We close the registration on August the 7th, I believe. And uh, if you got questions in that program, hit me up. If you want a podcast discount code, just ask. And, as always, the podcast is brought to you by my homies at Athletic Greens, the site athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott for a year's supply of free vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first order. And if you want to try a sample pack, hit us up, and Monica will get you a pack to try for free. Uh, Again, appreciate you guys. As always, have an amazing uh, weekend. And my hope is to hop back on the podcast on Sunday with Heather because then I'm probably going to have a good week and a half lag due to travel and just some real work stuff we got going on. So enjoy this one. And until next time, eat well, train hard, be nice to people, and please you guys. Keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.